Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Online. My name's Stuart, I'm the minister of St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. This week, you might guess, I'm not in Stonehouse, I'm on annual leave. So this week, we're in the capable hands of Yvonne and Anne and Gillian. Sit back, relax and enjoy our worship today. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33 and then 44 to 52. The parable of the mustard seed. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of all shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in the branches. The parable of the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in it three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Three parables. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew us ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Amen. Be careful what you pray for. You just might get it. That may seem like a strange thing to say, but there is truth in it. Sometimes as Christians, the prayers just roll off our tongue and we don't really think through the implications of what we are praying for or the process that may be involved if the things we pray for come to pass. Nowhere is that more evident, I think, than in the Lord's Prayer which we say week in, week out. Perhaps some of you say it day in and day out. And perhaps we don't really think through the implications of the words we are saying. The Lord's Prayer is an incredibly powerful prayer with some dangerous and subversive statements in it. And not least of these is the phrase, Your Kingdom Come. What seems like a fairly pleasant and generalised plea to God is actually a counter-cultural, revolutionary request because it is a plea for the existing social order to be turned on its head and for the world to be governed and controlled by a new set of ethics and rules for all social and political interaction to be transformed almost completely. 
your kingdom come. Be careful what you pray for. You just might get it. Part of the problem is, of course, that we have created Jesus in our own image. We want to think of him as meek and mild, perhaps a white man, gently strolling round the Israeli countryside, talking in happy metaphors about sheep and lights on a hill and performing wonderful miracles for his adoring crowds. We may find it uncomfortable to think of a man who looked a whole light more like Yasser Arafat than David Tennant, a Palestinian tradesman on the streets of what is now Gaza and the West Bank, a social revolutionary who was dedicated to denouncing the oppressive Jewish systems and challenging the pseudo-authority of the occupying Roman army. But that's Jesus of Nazareth, the Palestinian liberator speaking out against the forces of injustice, who was not afraid to say, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Perhaps that is an uncomfortable image for some, but it is historical truth. Your kingdom come. Be careful what you pray for. So in our Gospel reading today, Jesus gives a number of parables, beginning each one with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And we hear that phrase and we settle back in our chair and we get ourselves comfortable because we know that we're about to hear Jesus spin another pretty little story for us. No, it doesn't work like that. When this Palestinian revolutionary says, the kingdom of heaven is like, there should be a shiver running up our spine and we should be on edge. Because this Palestinian revolutionary has dedicated his life and death to taking us right outside our comfort zones and confronting us with the harsh reality of truth. The first parable in our reading is that of the mustard seed. Only two verses long and each of the synoptic gospels include this tiny parable. It must have been a popular parable amongst the disciples. Perhaps because it is so short, but also because it was surprising and mysterious. So how is God's kingdom like a mustard seed that grows into a tree? And what do the birds in the air represent? The birds in the parable of the sower represent the devil. But surely that can't be right here. Once again, parables, parables are deceptively simple stories with surprises around every corner. It also doesn't help to know that the sort of small tree that this mustard seed became was regarded as a nuisance by most gardeners in Palestine. So what does that say about God's kingdom? The contrast between the tiny seed and the tree, it becomes 
is at the heart of this parable. God's kingdom may have small beginnings, but this parable encourages his disciples to know that it will grow and indeed is growing. In another saying of Jesus, he says that even faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. It would probably have amused those listening that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a large overgrown vegetable plant and not fine specimens like the large majestic cedar trees of Lebanon. And what about the birds, usually a pest for gardeners, especially at sowing time? Birds come from all points of the compass, so maybe they are referring to non-Jews, outsiders like Greeks and Romans who had invaded the promised land over the centuries. Who will be in God's kingdom? Jesus immediately continues on to another parable, referring to the kingdom of God like yeast. This is certainly a topic that would have related to the women in the audience. They were well used to breaking, baking bread with and without yeast. This parable may have shocked those listening in a way that we might miss today. Jesus is describing what things are like when God is king and immediately uses a woman at the centre. That would have been unusual for a start. The large amount that is referenced would probably have been around 18 supermarket bags worth, probably around £60, and would have made enough bread for around 100 people. Seems an extravagant bake. Jesus compares the kingdom of God like yeast, which is fermenting dough, something that is rotting, and which, in Jewish tradition, represents a bad influence, or even a metaphor for evil. What sort of kingdom parallel is this? It would certainly have made his audience sit up and listen. It is not hard to perhaps imagine a mischievous smile on Jesus' lips as he told this tale. Jesus is describing an ordinary household activity, but offers it as a clue to how God is at work in the world. With God, small can be big and a little can go a long way. Our reading then skips from verse 33 to verse 44 and Jesus continues to compare the kingdom of God in another parable, this time comparing the kingdom of God to hidden treasure and a parable. Two short parables which belong together. They share the same truth but are told for two different audiences. The first possibly for farmers who knew about digging in fields while the second might be for businessmen, particularly those interested in fine jewels. Jesus certainly knew how to grab the attention of different sorts of people in his audience. Whether it was a farmer 
coming across riches by accident while digging, or a merchant intentionally on the lookout for the perfect peril. Once they find the treasure, there is no stopping them. They do everything possible to make sure that this treasure is theirs. Jesus offers no comment or explanation for either of the two parables, but leaves it up to his audience to work out what they might mean. Maybe his disciples asked Jesus later, as they had done with the parable of the sower, but if they did, there is no record of this reply. It was not unusual that someone might have buried his family fortune in the ground. There were banks in Jesus' day, but most people hid their money somewhere safe in a place where hopefully no one would find it. Also, according to Jewish law, it was finders keepers, though owning the land would have made that more secure. Perils from the Far East often passed through Palestine on their way to markets in the cities of the Roman Empire. Alert traders used to be on the lookout for new and particularly fine specimens to add to their collection. The idea though that one merchant might sell everything he owned to buy one peril is hard to believe, but it is part of Jesus' storytelling style that made people both laugh and sit up and think. Both the buried treasure and the precious peril are according to the beginning of each parable clues to the kingdom of heaven. Whether we search for or merely stumble across the truth about heaven, God and eternal life, these stories suggest that we shouldn't let truth out of our sight. Nothing should get in the way of holding on to it forever. The search for the meaning of life, the universe and everything has been subject matter of both serious and comic literature, as well as much philosophical debate. Jesus is saying that this is indeed the most important thing to talk about and it brings us home to God. But it is also something that in the end we must find for ourselves. These parables make it clear that finding the kingdom of heaven is the best thing that can happen to anyone. It is treasure worth putting everything else aside for. As the missionary martyr Jim Elliot once wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot gain, what he cannot lose. What wouldn't you give for the treasure of being a friend of God forever? The parable about the fish caught in the net is sometimes overlooked. However, of all the parables, it is probably one that made most immediate sense to Jesus' fishermen followers. The sifting of a catch of fish would have been a common sight on the shores of Galilee. Galilee contained many types of fish 
as well as other sea creatures that might have been caught in a dragnet. One of the fish still caught today, the moosh, is known locally as St Peter's fish. Linked to the story of Peter finding a coin for his taxis in a fish he caught on Jesus' instructions, which is in Matthew 17. A dragnet was long and hung from floats just beneath the water's surface. It was held in place by two boats that slowly hauled it to the shore. This helps us to explain why Andrew and Peter needed to work with James and John in partnership to get a good catch. Jesus is comparing the mixed catch of fish to the way all sorts were being welcomed into the kingdom of God. It was a real intergenerational, multicultural and interfaith collection of people from all walks of life. The last judgment is in the hands of the angels in heaven. Christians all too readily set themselves up as judges of who are insiders and who are outsiders. This is not their job. The parable ends with the frightening image of judgment that many today find disturbing. However, we need to remember that Jesus, like a great storyteller, is using deliberately shocking language to capture the attention of his audience. What matters is, what sort of fish will we be? The parables in this chapter are a challenge to us at two levels. Understanding and action. Understanding without action is sterile. Action without understanding is exhausting and useless. So today we are asked to consider ourselves and where our treasure lies. Have we devoted our time to the right things? Have we invested in a field which holds lasting treasure? Jesus encourages us to put everything else aside. No half measures. The gift being a place in the kingdom of heaven. Think of it. Just a little seed from which can come a mighty bush. Just a little yeast and we can change the entire loaf. Whether it's treasure in a field or finding the perfect peril, you'll go all out to make it yours. Likewise, we should be pulling out all the stops to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Only God knows who's ready to be caught. Only God knows which fish are good on the inside. Only God knows which fish will end up in heaven. Are you ready to swim into his net of love? Be careful what you pray for. You just might get it. Amen. Let us join together in prayer. Lord God, source of hope and justice for the world, we ask that you cast your net over each one of us today. Individually, 
we need to sort out our lives so that the emphasis of our heart's desires are first and foremost centred on the values of the kingdom. Your kingdom is for each of us, a place where we know ourselves to be recognised, valued, cared for and blessed. In that place, we come closest of all to identifying ourselves children of God, beneficiaries of your full care and protection. Your kingdom is for others, a place where others too will have their needs met, their potential fulfilled. Some in the world need help to clear the way for that experience to be possible. May the work of the kingdom flourish in the lives of those who face individual hardships or community challenge. So this day, we pray for those who see no hope in their lives. May they be reminded that from the smallest seed of possibility, hope can be born and grow. We pray for those who are starving, who hunger for bread. We pray for those who cannot find the treasure they are looking for, the right career, the perfect companion, peace in their hearts, the family of their dreams, inner satisfaction, the right opportunity, fulfilment. We pray for those whose poverty or circumstances mean they possess little that the world would deem as precious. And we pray for those who cannot sort out the good from the bad in life, who cannot maintain a desired life for themselves because of mistakes accidentally made or the result of bad choices. Lord, may your kingdom come for people across the whole world. It is abundant and available for all. It is not meant to be in the possession of some in the world, but is given for all. Use us, active God, that we might live by the values of the kingdom and direct us that we might uncover that wonderful treasure so others may possess and share it. Hear our prayers, Lord, in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Take the smallest seed and produce life. Add yeast to the bread of life and it will grow. Find the hidden treasure in your life and invest all you have in living for God. Cast wide your net and haul in the catch. All these blessings and more are yours from God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, there for us today and always. May the Lord bless you.
space to shine.